Holy Spirit, speak through your word as you promise that you do, and make my words be yours, that we might continually be pointed and cling to the one who lived and died and rose for us, and whom we have life now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Daniel chapter 6. By the way, if, if you're tuning in on live stream and uh, you're just skipping to the sermon, I don't know who you are, Jesus does, but uh, go back and listen to the reading, the Old Testament reading, Daniel 6, or press pause and read all of it now. And if you have it with you, you can look at it and follow along as well. As it is quite a long story and it's, it's very well told, and as I suspect, many of us heard it as kids, and, and I wonder if we've interacted with it as an adult or with our adult faith. And there's probably a lot there, but let's just get right into it. Often, the story is conveyed this way, or at least to, to kids in, in cartoons and lots of different ways, and it's told rather triumphantly. And you see this image of a, a, a courageous young handsome Daniel, as he's actually said early on in the book of Daniel, he is, and he's eager to serve God, yet he lives in the foreign country of Babylon, 500s BC, as they took over God's people, smashed Jerusalem, and carted some of the brightest people away, that's how you take over people in a culture, and yet he still serves God and prays to God there, and then, well, the, these other people don't like it. You have some good old uh, professional jealousy, and, and they try to get him. And so uh, these guys hatch this plan to play on King Darius. So now Persia has taken over Babylon, and now they're in charge there. And Darius likes Daniel, but he's very prideful. So they, they play on that. Oh, yes, King Darius, uh, make this law that can't be revoked at all, otherwise you'll look really bad, that for 30 days no one can pray to anyone but you alone. Oh, yes, I like that idea. And so... Uh, they, they do, and then Daniel knows, and he does the same thing he's always done. He goes upstairs, and he prays to God. It says three times a day, open window towards Jerusalem, as if knowing that's where the temple that is not working right now should be where God's people want to be, and he prays. And you have these uh, people out to get them are almost comical. It's like they're hiding behind a bush that they don't all fit behind, like, you know, bad, bad guys trying to, if they just had a trail cam, like for deer, they would have caught him in no time, right? Click, there, Daniel praying, done. But they wait, they get him, and then they bring him, and the king likes Daniel but can't go against the law. And so he sends Daniel to his execution by hungry lions, but you know the story, God miraculously saves Daniel. And it says, an angel of the Lord closed their mouths. And more than that, judgment is served in the form of a meal to the lion. So the enemies then are thrown in and they eat them. And we end up saying things like, wow, kids, that's great. Just be faithful to God and everything will work out. Except when you become an adult, you know that's not quite exactly true, right? We just read from Hebrews of all these great people of faith who suffered for it. How about 11 of 12 of Jesus' disciples are killed for going and telling people that Jesus lived, died, and rose for them? There is a cost to being faithful to Jesus, even though it's absolutely worth it. 
And, by the way, Daniel's not young and handsome anymore. He's old. He's at least 80 years old, somewhere between 80 and 90. And Daniel has lived most of his life, his whole adult life, in a foreign country. And more than that, he's served the foreign government. He's not a full-time prophet, not a full-time pastor. He worked a secular day job that is for the government, for the kings, and multiple kings. And they all respected him. And he was respectful to them. And he found a way to thread this needle by being ethical and being good at his job and skilled and serving idolatrous kings and yet still being faithful to the one true God. I think there is, among other things, a vocational lesson for many of us there, right? Daniel is a good example of wondering, seeking, praying, how to faithfully navigate serving in the places and jobs that God puts you where at times they might be difficult to be a Christian in. But none of those reasons are are the real reason why I love this story. And none of those are, are the things that really worked on me while I studied this story. Let me tell you, I am not simply impressed that Daniel faces down the lions, courageously says, you know, here I stand, or, you know, throw me in, that's fine. That is remarkable, but that isn't what truly moves me about this. Yes, uh, Daniel, by all, you know, human counts, should have died there, probably thought he would, but it wasn't Daniel's willingness to be martyred that floors me. You know what moves me in this story? What actually stops me in my tracks, calls me to deeper discipleship, and challenges me. It is simply what got Daniel to this point, and that is that Daniel is still praying. Think about it. He's north of 80. He's lived his entire life, adult life, in the wrong country, you might say, enemy territory that have taken over God's people. They have destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed Judah and ruined their land and taken people away, and God's people haven't returned yet. They're in exile. God looks bad. God looks weak. And there's no visible sign of hope. But Daniel is still praying. Now, early in the book of Daniel, it says he is young and gifted and talented, and he was taken to Babylon because of that, and yet he stays faithful to God. And he is given miraculous visions and powers at times. He's able to interpret the dreams of kings. And he has seen wonderful miracles, but each and every one of those has had a short-lived fruit that didn't last. So you have an old man who is still praying, still faithful, still trusting, when most of the things he's seen and even miraculous things he's seen God do by his human eyes didn't last. Babylon isn't following Yahweh. They're still idolatrous and immoral. Kings that liked having Daniel around and trusted him and knew there was something different about him. As as with Christ and us, people should notice something different about us. And yet the kings weren't changed forever. And 
early on with uh, the fiery furnace story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, D- Daniel's friends are thrown in, and then after that, Nebuchadnezzar praises their God, but it, it's short-lived. And Daniel is still praying. So here Daniel is nearly a century of serving kings with integrity and skill while trusting God, and he's surely near the last years of his life. And what does he have to show for it? Truthfully, not that much, right? Your peers that you're supposed to work with are jealous of you, and uh, they're going to play the pride of the idolatrous king into killing you. So just that they can have your job. And Daniel still prays. And furthermore, the story kind of makes it sound like Daniel is the only one praying. You'd think there were more, right? If it's against the law to pray to the true God, you'd think there's somebody else that like got rounded up and tossed in with him, right? Now there's obviously, with every Bible story, more we don't know than what we do know. But he's the only one. And yes, they were out to get him with their good old-fashioned stake out, but... Maybe everyone else found a way to appease their conscience and say, well, you know, it's only 30 days. God will understand. Or I'll just, uh, I'll just close the windows now and go to my, you know, dig a hole in the basement and, and go pray there. And, or I'll pray silently. Or, or I'll just keep my head down and pretend like I go along with all this cultural king worship stuff because, you know, I don't want to cause trouble. And, I'll, I, I'll, yeah, I'll just go along with it. But Daniel does what he's always done, which is pray faithfully to God. Because he knows God is powerful, loving, and present no matter what. But can you imagine for a moment working your whole life and seeing little or no fruit? Or fruit that came and then didn't last very long? Can you imagine praying for people to come to know God? For praying for major change in the land and then seeing not much. By the end of his life, we, we don't know. We had friends earlier, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know that there's not a school of prophets and those around him. He seems alone. Can you imagine following God when no one else does? Can you imagine living out God's goodwill and God's good commands when it seems like people don't want anything to do with it or find a way not to have to or live however they want because, hey, you know, uh, you know, love is love, live and let live, and you can't tell me what to do. Can you imagine spending your life ministering in a pagan land with, in the end, little to show for it except people that want you dead? For nearly a century, Daniel's been there, but Babylon is largely unchanged, and Daniel still prays. Why? You see, it's not just that Daniel boldly goes to the lion's den. By the way, if he's somewhere between 80 and 90 and gets, like, tossed in, that could be enough to do him in. Maybe that's the first miracle that he he got in okay. But Daniel knows something about God that I think you and I often forget. Daniel knew that despite what things look like today, God is all-powerful. Daniel knew that despite what you feel like today, God is loving, God is present, and God is good, even if some of the external evidences in your life might point you otherwise. 
Daniel knew that Yahweh, the only true and living God, was good and faithful and powerful even when it didn't look like it, even when his people were still in exile, even when he was still there and they haven't returned. Daniel knew that God was worth trusting and worth obeying even if his hardship continued. You see, Daniel doesn't trust God wholeheartedly because he was saved from the lions. Daniel trusted God wholeheartedly no matter what happened because he knew that God is trustworthy. When I see it with those glasses on, I start to say, all right, God, like, Daniel, how do we, like, give me some of that. Like, how do I get, and while this is a, a marvelous story, and Daniel is a great man of faith in, in the 6th century B.C., And an example to to people there, it's not just written for the 6th century B.C. Daniel's story left clues everywhere, not pointing just to God's people returning, as they would in a few years back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. They're still in need of being saved and delivered. And so Daniel's story leaves these great clues pointing to a greater one who would truly deliver God's people not just then, but for all time, of not just lions, but death itself. You see, Daniel's story's got so many clues that point directly to Jesus. And when, when he comes along, people realize, holy cow, the, look at all these things that Daniel is pointing us to. Daniel's not our Savior. He's a great one, example of one pointing us to our real Savior, God himself, Jesus. You see... Both Daniel and Jesus were falsely accused by lies. Both Daniel and Jesus were sentenced to death by a ruler that actually knew they were innocent. Both Daniel and Jesus were arrested while praying. Daniel in his house, Jesus in Gethsemane. And I love the detail in the story. Did you notice it? They were put in a tomb, Daniel in the den, and what is rolled in front of both of them? A stone. How did that end up in 500 years before Jesus, talking about a stone rolled in front of what would be his tomb? And then at daybreak, people come to see them. For Daniel, it was those the king that wished he would survive and rolled the stone and found that he was alive. With Jesus, it was the women that came to anoint his dead body and were shocked to find that Jesus himself was risen from the dead. You see, Daniel trusted wholeheartedly and God saved him as a testimony to God's power over all kingdoms, all places, all, all creation. However, when Jesus trusted his father wholeheartedly, That led Jesus to the cross where he dies because that's where God actually shows his true power. God uses the power he has to save Daniel in closed mouths of hungry, wild lions, but he uses all that power to actually save you by dying for you. And Daniel's life points to the greater one whose life, whose death, whose resurrection shows God's true power to forgive every last sin now and forever of yours and mine and save you now and give you life eternal. Yes, Daniel was thrown in the pit and God saved him, but Jesus went into the pit to save you. 
And Jesus shows you the depth of God's love for you and the greatness of his power to save you. And as Jesus' arms were stretched out on the cross, and then his body laid in the tomb, and as he is absolutely bodily risen from the dead and reaches out his scarred and healed hands to his disciples, they are are your proof that God is trustworthy all the time, even when it's hard. God is faithful, even when it might seem to you like he's not. And God is worth trusting and obeying, even when things in your life might tempt you or tell you otherwise. When, when we are tempted and have 80-year-old Daniel moments where we look back and, and might think, man, what have I done? Or Is this worth it? Look at Jesus on the cross for you and coming out of the tomb for you, forgiving you all your sins, giving you new life. That's where any strength to follow him comes from. So if I were to reduce this story to uh, something bite-sized or take homeable, what it tells me is this. Be faithful and leave the rest up to God. Be faithful. Leave the rest up to God. Trust, but you don't get to control what happens. Daniel didn't get to control what happened to him. Be faithful to God at work, wherever God calls you, even if it's some strange, uncomfortable places where you're not sure how to be uh, ethical and godly. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to God at home, in your neighborhood, with, with friends, with family. Be faithful and trust God with the details, with how it plays out. What happens. Trust God because he is trustworthy. If you look at Jesus On the cross, the Holy Spirit will give you faith to still pray when you're 80, like Daniel. And to still pray when work seems overwhelming. And to still pray when your school work is stressful. And to still trust God when you're, frankly, tempted not to. Be faithful and leave the rest to God. You may or may not know the name Adoniram Judson, there's a college named after him, but he was one of the first American missionaries to go somewhere else to tell people about Jesus. Many people had been coming to the New World, and missionaries came here. He was one of the first to go elsewhere, to go abroad. But his story kind of starts in his teens when he turns to his dad, who was a Baptist preacher, and says, I don't believe in God anymore. Then the Holy Spirit drew him and drew him back. And the Holy Spirit made the cross of Jesus so compelling to Adoniram Judson that he wanted to tell people who have never heard about Jesus. And so he goes all the way to Burma in 1812. And he's there 38 years. And he's there for decades. He learns the language. He's very educated, very smart. Learns the language and lives a greatly difficult life with little or no results. Many of his children die there. His wife dies there. He has much disease and he's imprisoned and tortured and he never quite sees that much fruit. So maybe a few dozen people came to know Jesus, but not what he thought. He translates the Bible into Burmese, which is still used today. And it's still difficult, especially now in Burma, for Christians to live there, but there are hundreds of thousands of Christians in Burma today. And it started with him. 
Furthermore, his story has encouraged countless others to share the gospel and go into to missions. Do you think he would, if he could know all of that today, he would say, oh, it was worth it on my worst day. You see, even if you can't see the results of your faithfulness, look at the cross of Jesus. God is faithful. Be faithful and leave the rest up to God.